could shine between the lines if you would let yourself go find some place you know you can use your words use your hands you can change the world just pretend express yourself take a chance and you'll see who you'll be it's time to express yourself where teens talk and the world listens Presented by Star Style Productions as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. You'll rock to an hour of adolescent fusion with your teen hosts and on-air reporters. Meet and chat with cool celebrities, exhilarating experts, and tenacious teens with subjects regarding anything and everything that you want to know. It's time to kick off the fun with our star teens. Welcome to Express Yourself. We can judge the heart of a man by his treatment of animals. That quote is from philosopher Immanuel Kant, and another one to start off our show. We are indeed unique primates, we humans, but we, we are simply not as different from the rest of the animal kingdom as we used to think. And that quote is from primatologist Jane Goodall. Hello and welcome to Express Yourself. We're a program by, for, and with creative young people. A platform to give teens a voice, right here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. From Cynthia Ryan, creator and producer of Express Yourself and Star Style Productions, we bring this program to the airwaves as an outreach service of the Be The Star You Are charity, a top nonprofit honored by GuideStar and great nonprofits. Before we get into today's show, myself as well as all the awesome volunteers at Be The Star You Are implore you to check out our website at uh, bethestaryouare.org. Look at the events tab there to see the exciting events we have coming up and also visit us at expressyourselfteenradio.com to check out past editions of our show. I'm Kenneth Jun and today's Express Yourself is all about the gift of animals. So to begin this week's show, I will be reading a chapter from Be The Star You Are's new anthology entitled Be The Star You Are, Millennials to Boomers, Celebrating Gifts of Positive Voices in a Changing Digital World, and the inspiration for today's show. It was written by Heather Brittany, who is a certified bar method instructor with degrees in English, communications, and women's health. She has been an advocate for all, all animals since childhood. Formerly, Heather worked as a reproductive health assistant and is currently working in the wine industry, touting the wellness benefits of a daily glass of vino. She and her husband are owned and loved by their dog, Dolce. Look for her children's book, The Adventures of Dolce Perro. And without any further ado, here is The Gift of Animals by Heather Brittany. The newborn fawn was entangled in a barbed wire fence, her mouth bleeding. Her mother lay dead nearby, shot by a poacher. My brother, my mom, and myself were on a hike when we rescued her. We took her back to the mountain cabin where we were camping to figure out how we could save her. For some reason, this adorable baby took a liking to me and started suckling on my earlobe. She was hungry and obviously thought I could be her mother. I was five years old and up for the job. Since we didn't have a baby bottle and we were hours from a store, we did the next best thing. We warmed milk and poured it down my ear. Bambina survived. That wasn't the first time I felt an urgent need to save an animal in distress. When I was three, we rescued a baby goat and bottle fed her for two years. Many lived until 16 and became the grand dame of the barnyard. Over the years, cats, dogs, and chickens, cats, dogs, chickens, ducks, geese, turkeys, bunnies, lambs, horses, birds, pot-bellied pigs, and even a squirrel have found their way to my family's doorstep, where they were always welcomed with open arms and a loving heart. Often, it felt as if our barnyard was akin to Noah's Ark. My first words as a baby were not mama or dada, as most American babies. My first words were Titi, which was short for Nefertiti, our black cockapoo puppy. This may have been a sign that animals would be family to me throughout my life. 
When I was in junior high school, my mother and I hosted a TV segment called Animal Tales, later changed to Animal Cuts, where we showcased all kinds of fantastic creatures, including camels, tortoises, monkeys, elephants, parrots, pythons, and even African lions. When I learned that many areas of the world were economically depressed, leading to poor living conditions for animals, especially for family pets, I wanted to do something to help. Because of the financial strains, some families don't have enough food to feed themselves, much less their pet. Many pets are abandoned on streets or dumped in the countryside, left to fend on their own. When we traveled in my youth, I would bring money and I would bring money I had earned by doing odd jobs to use specifically to purchase food for the strays I encountered. I lovingly nicknamed my personal charity, since I was the only member and contributor, Pets in Poverty. My childhood devotion to animals was just a prelude of what, what would transpire when I went to college and rented my first apartment. Since I lived alone, I decided to get a big dog as a companion. I grew up with large dogs and figured this dog would also be a great protector. I began scrolling through shelter websites, determined to find the perfect sentry. But in the end, it would be a three-pound chihuahua that I rescued from the side of the road who would seal my heart. Fourteen years later, Dolce is still the love of my life and the best guard dog you can imagine. Animals are gifts to humans. They make us better people. They are non-judgmental and they are grateful for the love we have given them. They are grateful for the love we give them. It doesn't matter what animal you choose to invite into your household. Just know that you will be rewarded ten times over with the joy that this pet will bring. And the exercise she has at the end of the chapter is titled, entitled Rescue Me. If you are thinking about getting a pet, instead of looking for a pedigree, consider adopting an animal that has been abandoned or abused. Look online for the desired type of animal or breed, and you'll be shocked to learn that there's a society or group or someone out there who is looking for you to adopt the special animal. The SPCA and animal shelters in your area are probably, probably have exactly what you seek. You can also look on Craigslist or on bulletins at pet stores and feedlots. I would never have imagined that there would be a pot belly pig association that plays unwanted pigs in loving families. Search and you shall find. Open your heart to the gift of a loving animal. Joyfulness awaits. Yeah, and um, I think this is something that, you know, I I didn't live on a farm and wasn't really in an environment where so many animals would come to my doorstep like uh, Heather had in her childhood here. But yeah, um, her talking about the value that an animal can bring to your home and your life is something that I've really, um, you know, experienced because I have a pet dog and yeah, it was something that was really unique when she came in. It was, uh, I had never had, I'm an only child, so I don't have a sibling or anything. Um, but I still think uh, having a brother or something like that is still very different from having a, a pet. I was kind of looking for a dog or a pet that I could uh, play with because I had felt lonely by myself in the house all the time. But I think um, it ended up really differently where it wasn't exactly the experience that I'd always imagined. Um being with an animal in my house and just having that companion. Um, it's kind of different, you know, having that different relationship where it's not really uh, spoken or, you know, intricately complicated or anything. It's just kind of uh, you sense how they feel and they kind of can determine how you feel just from expressions and slight mannerisms. And, yeah, it's just a different relationship overall. And, yeah, um, I'd like to thank Heather for such an amazing chapter it's yeah, it's something I've I can really relate to, and I think it had a lot of fascinating insights, especially uh, focused on our themes for today's show. Uh, we're always excited to read some of the excellent work from our fellow Be the Star You Are volunteers. With that, however, our first segment of today's show does sadly have to come to a close. 
Be sure to support our show and these amazing segments by donating to the Be The Star You Are 501c3 literacy charity that brings you this program. Be The Star You Are desperately needs your donations to help us help those in distress by providing books and other resources. Operation Wildfire Disaster Relief Fund is an ongoing outreach program to help survivors of natural disasters. We, de- we need donations to help ship much-appreciated books to victims. Please donate today at www.bethestarur.org. You can even donate through PayPal Giving Fund with no additional fees. I'm Kenneth John. And watch Be The Star You Are's fun and informative videos at youtube.com slash be the star you are. Be sure to also pick up the new anthology, which the chapter was from, Be The Star You Are, Millennials to Boomers, Celebrating Gifts of Positive Voices in a Changing Digital World. Um, at cynthiabryan.com slash online dash store. Make sure to stick around as we continue our show on the gift of animals. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Are you a teen interested in becoming a radio personality? The Positive Message Outreach Program of Be The Star You Are Charity trains dedicated young people to be reporters and hosts on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com for information. That's ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Don't forget to tune in to Express Yourself Tuesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Kids, where teens talk and the world listens. Show the world your smile. Be the star you are. If you are ready to be inspired, energized, and edutained, you've come to the right place with our two life-changing programs at BeTheStarYouAreRadio.com. Live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's our lifestyle show, Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with hosts Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany. On Tuesdays at noon Pacific, teens talk and the world listens on Express Yourself Teen Radio on Voice America Kids. Come play with us at BeTheStarYouAreRadio.com. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Welcome back. Thanks for staying with us here at Voice America Empowerment. I'm Kenneth John on Express Yourself, and today's show is all about the gift of animals. For the next two segments of our show today, we've been given the amazing opportunity to speak with authors Dr. Mark Beckhoff and Dr. Jessica Pierce. Their new book, Unleashing Your Dog, a field guide to giving your canine companion the best life possible, covers innovative ways to ensure the full freedom and happiness of both humans and dogs as they live alongside each other. Be sure to check it out. And now for some background, Mark Beckhoff is Professor Emeritus of Ecology and Evolutionary Biology at the University of Colorado. He is a former Guggenheim Fellow and has received an Exemplar Award, uh, the Exemplar Award for long-term contributions to the field of animal behavior from the Animal Behavior Society. Mark writes regularly for Psychology Today 
and has published 31 books, including The Emotional Lives of Animals, and he lives in Boulder, Colorado. Jessica Pierce is an affiliate faculty at the Center for Bioethics and Humanities, University of Colorado Anschutz Medical School. She is the author of nine books, including The Last Walk, Reflections on Our Pets at the End of Their Lives, and Run, Spot, Run, The Ethics of Keeping Pets, has published essays in the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, and The Guardian, and is a regular contributor to Psychology Today. She has a PhD from the University of Virginia and an MTS from Harvard University, and now lives in Colorado. All right, yeah, thank you for coming on to the show today. Oh, thanks pleasure. for having us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so... I guess with our first question, before we get into the specific content of the book, um, what was the kick that motivated you guys into um, actually coming forward and writing this book? You want me to start, Jessica? Sure, go ahead. Yeah, um, we wrote a book together called The Animal's Agenda, and we um, were arguing that the science of animal welfare really fails too many animals, and we put forth the science of animal well-being, which basically focuses on the well-being of every single individual. And we had chapters in there about animals, food animals, if you will, entertainment animals, lab animals, wild animals. And there was a chapter in there on companion animals or pets that really was motivated by Jessica's early work. Um, You know, basically arguing that they're captive animals perhaps in some cases no less so than animals who are used for food and entertainment. And we didn't mean that as a negative thing, but, you know, we tether them, we leash them, we tell them when they can pee and poop and who they can play with, when they can play, who, what they can eat, et cetera, et cetera. So we just wanted to make the point that they are living deprived lives and the purpose of unleashing your dog is to show people how they can enhance their dogs lives yeah and you know now going into um what you guys actually wrote in the book uh what would you say your main points main points are in the book maybe your top three suggestions for um people to change their lifestyles and you know consequently their dog's lifestyle so i i can take this one so the way we structured the book was around the dog's sensory experiences of the world. So, you know, and in particular, how is it, how would it be to walk in our dog's paws for a day? Um, and how is it different from our own experience so that we can, you know, we expect them to adapt to our human environments and, and often don't think about the challenges that our environments um Opposed to our canine companions. So, for example, um, you know, humans are visual creatures. So we think, you know, we we think about you know the seeing the world through our eyes as in many ways our most important kind of interaction with the world. But for our dogs, it's really their noses. Um, so, you know, how many times have you seen somebody, and maybe you've done this yourself, walking the dog down the street and kind of pulling on the leash saying, come on, we got to get a move on. We got places to go when what the dog really wants to do is stop and sniff. So we spend some time for each sense talking about, you know, how it is that a dog is experiencing the world and, you know, how that's different from our own experience and what we can do to enhance their, their sensory 
their sensory lives and give them more sensory freedom, I guess you could say. Yeah. Um, what would you say the maybe core activities or um, elements of the environment, uh, things like that, what would you say um, are the elements that are most necessary for a dog to feel free and happy? I, I mean, I would say let them sniff because um, mm-hmm. they are nosed animals. Um, <laughs> let them make, let them, you know, express what we call agency. Um, let them make choices and let them, you know, feel that they have control over their lives. Um, let them play if they like to play and unleash them as much as you can. You know, if you can have the luxury of unleashing them and letting them just be free ranging at a dog park or, um, you know, say a, a hiking trail, do that. But people often ask, can you unleash a leashed dog? And well, you can, because, you know, metaphorically, you can just say, look, you know, you're on a leash. We have to tether you for your own protection, for example. But we're going to let you stop and sniff as much as you want. Or we're going to let you stop and, you know, cock your head around and move your ears so that you can pick up um, sounds. So I don't think there's one specific answer because uh, companion dogs live such varied lives, you know, city dogs, country dogs, farm dogs, mountain dogs. So it's really focusing on your dog as an individual and then deciding what you're able to do to give them the most freedoms you can. Yeah. And um, talking about leashing and like literally unleashing and leashing dogs, um, usually, you know, uh, the dogs pretty have to be pretty like uh, well trained, and usually people have them follow commands well before they can uh, take the leash off and let them run around in the park, right? Um, yes. Does training them to do things like that deny uh, parts of their, you know, full well being and happiness? <laughs> I definitely not. And one of the points that we really try to emphasize in the book is that the more you work with your dog the more freedom your dog is going to have, most likely. And, you know, where we live in around Boulder, um, the the trails that are accessible to dogs off-leash, and we have a lot, um, for the most part are called um, voice and sight control. So dogs have to be, um, they have to have really good recall to legally be off-leash. Um, so the more time people spend working with their dogs, um, the, the more freedom a dog is able to have. And it, it may sound paradoxical, but it really isn't. And one um, way that an, an interviewer cashed this out for us was to say, you know, your relationship to your dog is, is like a leash in the good sense that um, it really connects you and gives your, you and your dog um, more opportunities, the more control you have over, over your animal control being understood here, not as this kind of, you know, obsessive need to dominate and, um, you know, control each and every behavior that a dog performs um, or doing silly tricks just for the sake of doing silly tricks. But but dogs love to, to work with their humans and be taught and trained by their humans. So it's actually, it's a win-win for everyone. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. I was going to ask if... Uh, um you know, how the dogs think of it. Do they think of 
of having to follow those commands as kind of a sacrifice or just completely, um, you know, working with their uh, respective human companion and, you know, kind of, yeah, interacting them with interacting with them more than just completely following them. But yeah, yeah. I, you basically I mean, answered I think, that question. Yeah, I think it depends yeah. a lot, though, on the dog and the person. And I've definitely seen people... Um, you know, commanding their dogs. And Mark has talked about this too, where it seems more sort of like a control thing on the part of the human rather than um, trying to work with the dog and um, be partners with the dog. It's like a master slave kind of (laughs) kind of situation rather than a partner situation. And we're really, I guess, trying to emphasize the partner relationship between human and dog. Yeah, I mean, I think I think you're. It's a good question. I mean, I think in the best situation, the dog would learn that you know his or her human is their friend and their partner, and there's going to be respect between them, and they're going to have give and take, and you know mutual tolerance. And the dog will learn that on some occasions the human runs the show, on other occasions. The dog is allowed to, say, express their agency and run the show. And, you know, I guess you could cash it out over a day or a week or a month. But at some point, it's kind of like that zero-sum game. The dog gets what they want. The human gets what they want. But at any one given time, one may have to give in to the other. But, but not in a control or dominant way. I mean, dogs will learn very easily that there are certain things they can't do because, um, it's not good for them, if you will. You know, they may, they, I'm not saying that they have some supernatural sense of danger, but I think they will develop uh, a mutual trust. And at some point, you know, the dog might want to do something and they'll say to themselves, okay, well, I can't do it now, but maybe I'll do it tomorrow in dog. And then the human might say the same thing, you know, look, I'm in a hurry or there's, there are cars around or there are people around who don't like dogs or there are dogs around who might not like you. So I really need to leash you. Yeah. And um, this reminded me of like this discussion of control and stuff. Uh, yeah. So I have a dog, right? And when I first got her, you know, I was working on uh, training her and, um, you know, yeah, I was working on training her and then I was looking online and things like that for, uh, you know, how to do it and what to do specifically. And I remember seeing a lot about, like, that whole alpha dynamic. Mm-hmm. But I heard that's, like, complete. I didn't really think it was that, uh, it didn't seem, I, I don't know, correct, I guess. But, um, and I've heard it's, like, completely false. And it's been completely disproven. Is that true? Does that have, like, merit in the wild or even in, you know, no. um, homes? No. Yeah, no, okay. It's, it's done. I mean, it comes from Caesar Milan and other people who believe that, dominance and punishing will get the job done. And of course, in some cases, it's a quick fix. You know, you punish a dog, you punish a human, they do what you want, but they live the rest of their lives in fear, anxiety, and stress. So it's, in many ways, it's just a major uh, product of a lot of money and advertisement on TV. Okay. 
And I think it's also related to, I mean, A, a misunderstanding of wolf behavior, but also B, um, this idea that dogs are just little wolves and that we can understand dogs by looking at wolf behavior. And of course, dogs are, are evolved from wolves, but they are not the same animal as wolves. And you can't necessarily, you know, easily translate from one to the other um just as you know you you wouldn't do it in reverse and say well we can look at dogs and understand um wolf pack behavior so just the we try to caution people in the book about thinking of dogs um as if they were wolves in in terms of training or other things like feeding dogs and a lot of advertising for dog food um you may have noticed if you have a dog um kind kind of um plays on this idea of dogs as little wolves um and you know dogs don't eat in the same way as wolves or have the same caloric needs as wolves and if you're going to feed a dog like a wolf they'd be really unhappy and also probably <laughs> obese. Well, <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> yeah, I mean, oh, oh God, sorry. Yeah. Oh no, you, you can, you can add on if you, Oh no, I was going to say what Jessica's saying is exactly true. You know, I hear people talk to me about the wolf like behavior of their dog. And as an ethologist, someone who studies these animals, yeah, they perform the same basic patterns of behavior, but, Wolves are not dogs, and dogs are not wolves. And these advertisements for food that says feed the wolf in your dog. I mean, they have vastly different dietary needs. They're vastly different animals. The one thing that they do share, and it's a characteristic that was all part of probably domestication, was that they're social animals. And that's, you know, there's a good reason why, if you will, wolves became dogs. Yeah, and really great because I've had like arguments with people and now I can literally say <laughs> that I've spoken to scientists now. Yes. I know. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've heard a lot about like just weird things where you have to walk in front of your dog because that asserts dominance and uh, I could throw yes. a dog into the snowy forest and it would survive. Yeah. Okay. No, it's, yeah. non- it's nonsense. <laughs> it's, it's, it, it is total nonsense. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's a huge misconception that people have. Uh, would you say that there are any other really big misconceptions that people have of dogs? Maybe some that you would address in your book? Oh, yeah. I mean, one is that you shouldn't hug a dog, which is absurd. I mean, if, if a dog likes to be hugged, hug them. And if they don't like to be hugged, don't hug them. Um, people, you know, think dog, some people think dog parks are the worst place in the world. But once again, if your dog likes a dog park and does well there, you know, go. Another myth is that dogs are unconditional lovers. They love everyone. Well, they don't. And anyone who's rescued a dog who's been abused knows that. And I guess another big one is that where the you know humans are their best friends. That's not true at all. I mean, dog dog abuse is fairly rampant. So um, there's a ton of myths. But yeah. But but the myth that we should be dominating them is garbage. It's just it's just unadulterated garbage. And like I said, it just comes from. A number of you know a few people who just sort of somehow get in the limelight because of mass media. Yeah, and another myth that's a kind of a pet peeve of mine when people say it is that your dog, uh, a, a dog, should never share a bed with a human, which yeah. is just ridiculous. I mean, if if neither of you are sleeping, 
then it's a problem and maybe it's not a good idea. But if, if everybody's happy and then dogs are, are pack animals and they, they want to be where their people are. And it just, it seems so crazy to me to say a dog should never, ever share a bed with a human because they're going to get weird ideas about who's dominant. And it's just, yeah, yeah, it's, it's crazy. I'll tell you another myth that's really important. In fact, I wrote an essay today for Psychology Today, but people think that that dogs just live in the present. You know, they're zen-like. And that is just very misleading because what it suggests is that the past experiences a dog has as an individual doesn't have an effect on them in the present. And it also suggests that they don't think about the future, which is, once again, garbage. And But the reason I mention that is because I've gotten a number of articles where people say we want to use dogs as metaphors for human um, psychology, human well-being, and we need to emulate, if you will, the fact that dogs don't hold grudges, that dogs don't dwell on the past, blah, 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 and which is ridiculous. Um, and so some of those myths, like Jessica mentioned in the bedroom and don't hugging, can have really harmful effects on the social bond. And I've had people say, oh, my goodness, you know, my dog doesn't do a particular thing. He, there must be something wrong with the dog. There must be something wrong with me or wrong with the relationship that we formed. And there's nothing wrong about it at all because there's no universal dog. You know, what works for Peter may not work for Paul, for example. Yeah, and... <laughs> really sad to cut this off right here, but we are running out of time for this segment. Um, but we'll continue back in the next segment shortly. Uh, so, uh, audience, you can find out more about our two amazing guests here uh, by going to their respective websites, www.markbeckhoff.com, uh, that's capital M and capital B, and www.jessicapierce.net, capital J and capital P. My name is Kenneth Jun, and stay tuned for the second half of our conversation about animals in the next segment. Also remember to pick up a copy of our newest anthology. The book is called Be the Star You Are, Millennials to Boomers, Celebrating Gifts of Positive Voices in a Changing Digital World, which you can find on CynthiaBryan.com slash online dash store, Amazon, and other book retailers. Visit www.bethestarur.org for more information about Express Yourself and Be the Star You Are. Make sure to keep listening as our show on the gift of animals continues. your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Are you a teen interested in becoming a radio personality? The Positive Message Outreach Program of Be The Star You Are Charity trains dedicated young people to be reporters and hosts on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com for information. That's ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com Don't forget to tune in to Express Yourself Tuesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Kids, where teens talk and the world listens. Looking for a show about your favorite movies, stars, and DVD releases? Get ready for Kids First Coming Attractions on Voice America Kids Channel. Your hosts, the Kids First film critics, preview all the latest movies before they're released. 
interview stars on the red carpet, and share their reviews with you so you can make informed decisions about what you select to see. Our reporters, ages 7 to 16, will bring you a kid's perspective on these films. Kids First Coming Attractions is heard every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Kids. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Thank you for staying with us here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Our program is Express Yourself, giving youth across the world a voice to be listened to. This edition of Express Yourself is all about the gift of animals. I'm Kenneth Chun, and for our third segment today, Dr. Mark Beckhoff and Dr. Jessica Pierce are back to share more of their amazing knowledge and expertise expertise with us. Their new book, Unleashing Your Dog, a field guide to giving your canine companion the best life possible, builds on the latest research in canine science and provides many practical ways that allow dogs to exercise their senses, in addition to exercising their brains and their muscles. Beckhoff and Pierce show that it is possible to let dogs be dogs without wreaking havoc on our own lives. They begin by illuminating the true nature of dogs and helping us walk in their paws. They reveal what smell, taste, touch, sight, and hearing mean to dogs and then guide readers through everyday ways of enhancing a dog's freedom in safe, mutually happy ways. The rewards they show are great for dog and human alike. And with that, I want to welcome you guys back to the show. Great to be here. Thank Thank you. you. Yeah, so uh, getting right back into it. Um, So I guess like uh, your main point in the book is having a dog, uh, giving a dog agency, just letting it, uh, you know, determine what it wants to do and really uh, utilize its senses and instincts. Um, I want to ask, is it okay to... How do you let a dog um, determine what it wants, basically? Because I know, uh, you know, if you go out on a walk and you were saying you shouldn't be pulling the dog around and trying to deny what uh, it's interested in, but then obviously you don't want to just let a dog loose on a bucket of fried chicken. Um, (laughs) What do you think is like the uh, line uh, for which you can let a dog just roam around? (laughs) I mean, I, I think it's a really good question, and you know, it's it's a similar line that you would draw as a parent of a human child that you want to let your child be free to be themselves, and at the same time, you want to keep your child safe. Um, so you're not going to let your child run into the middle of a busy highway, um, and you're going to, you know, assuming that your child doesn't have the capacity to make. Um, informed choices of the sort an adult makes you you help guide the kinds of choices they have and I, I think the same thing is true with our with our dogs you don't say would you like to run free in this field or run across the road <laughs> you say you know here's a, a fenced um, dog park go at it and have a good time so you you place some reasonable constraints on on the choices in that sense to keep them safe and to keep dogs obviously legal and, you know, happy. We want to have happy 
um, neighbors. And, you know, if, if people get irritated by other people's dogs, like, for example, having the freedom to bark all day long in the backyard, um, that's not okay because then people wind up having bad feelings not only toward their human neighbors but also toward dogs in general. So, you know, I think just using our own good sense and finding ways to let them make choices safely. And, you know, one example that that I like is um, my daughter's dog, Poppy. You know, she, when they go on hikes, Poppy has really strong opinions about which direction she would like to go in the trail and she has certain places that she likes on certain days she has certain preferences and you know my daughter is really good at kind of watching Poppy's body language and um, letting Poppy choose the path that they hike Um, you know it's a it's a choice that's safe there are no um, negative ramifications for Poppy if they go left rather than right and um, and Poppy's happy because you know she has a certain agenda that she would like to follow and she gets to do that so I'm looking for ways that are are safe and um, you know safe and legal Mm -hmm. safe yes yeah I agree totally with what Jessica is saying I think it's establishing that situation where you have to decide what's safe. I mean, dogs may learn cars or they may learn, you know, cliffs, but really it's incumbent on us to ensure that they're living safely. But to me, the important thing, you know, like when I go to a dog park, some people will say, I love going to the dog park because my dog is really totally free. And then they're calling them back like helicopter parents every two seconds. So, Mm -hmm. To me, it's assessing the situation. First, the first is knowing your dog as an individual. The second is, you know, taking some, you know, assessment of your relationship with that dog. And third, just as far as I'm concerned, having lived in the mountains with a number of dogs where they were, they were rarely, if ever, leashed and oftentimes never even had like a collar on them, um, assessing what's safe and then if you will, managing them, but not managing them in a controlling or dominant way, but, you know, taking into account that they may not appreciate the fact that there's something risky or dangerous going on. Um, But I think the main message or among the main messages in the book is that when you can give your dog the best or the most freedoms, then do it. Yeah, and just to to come back to a point that Mark made, and this is really one of the things that is most important um, in our book, is that each dog is an individual. So what is freedom to one dog might not necessarily look like freedom to another. And I can take my dog Bella as an example. She doesn't like the dog park unless there are no dogs there. So taking her to a busy dog park for her would not be a freeing activity. It would be a highly stressful activity. Um, So just knowing your dog and knowing what makes them feel free um, and, and attending to that and putting, you know, their needs first sometimes. Um, How long do you think it would take for uh, an owner who's just gotten a dog to really get to know their, um, dog to that extent where they can really, uh, you know, give it the freedom that it deserves 
without putting it in uncomfortable situations? That's a really good, that's a good question. Mark yeah. may have an answer too, but I mean, the first thing that comes to my mind is that dogs are, again, I keep coming back to the analogy of children. You know, as soon as you have your two-year-old figured out, your two-year-old is now a three-year-old and they're a totally different person and dogs change too. So, um, you know, you may understand a lot about your dog after a day or a week um, or a month, and hopefully, you know, as time goes on, you'll know more and more. But but your dog is going to change too. So what was true when your dog was two may not be the same for your dog when they're seven or eight. So um, it's a constant process of learning and being attuned to um, to what a dog needs and who a dog is. So it's a lifelong process. I'm sorry, your work is never done. Yeah, I mean, it's part of the responsibility that people take on when they get a dog <coughs> is having the time to learn who they are. I mean, I think, you know, if you get a dog and you know something of their history, if they've been abused, um, if they've had a certain sorts of interactions with men or women or other, you know, unique individuals, you can appreciate that. Because I've had situations where, you know, a dog was mistreated by a female. And so... I just had to be sure that when he was around strange women, um, he would be okay. Um, another dog we don't know much about, but always sought safety under the bed. And, uh, you know, to this day, I mean, it's been years, I could tell when she was getting nervous and she would go under the bed and sometimes she wouldn't get her walk. But once again, it's not like she came out from under the bed and said, okay, I did my thing, let's, let's walk. I think somehow she processed the fact that, you know, she just needed her peace and safety and that I eventually would take her on a walk. But it's getting down to, I don't think there's a time limit. And I think what Jessica is saying is so true because not only does the dog change, but the relationship you have with them changes based on their changes and what you're going through. And so, yeah, we change too. (laughs) You change too. So, it's an ongoing dynamic. I mean, to me, it's just one of the most fascinating and interesting things about living with a dog is the fact that things change over time. And it's fascinating. You know, you get bored. I mean, I would get bored with having the same dog every day for 10, 12, 13 years. But it's never that it's never the case. So when people have asked me that kind of question, well, how long will it take? And I say, well, I don't know how long it will take. But one thing you can do is expose your dog to the most varied situations you can imagine and see how they respond. And there's been research um, over the last year. So a paper was published that showed with puppies, the more you give them as youngsters in terms of socialization and challenging Um, them, the more resilient they are. And challenging, of course, doesn't mean dominating. It means giving them the most varied experiences they can have, say, with people and with other dogs. So in that sense, the sky's the limit. Um, The other part of that question is, is people just have to become fluent in dog and fluent in, you know, or dog literate in terms of who your dog is as the individual they are. Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah. Um, how would you how would you tell the difference between something that is uh, merely maybe a personality trait in a dog and something that is maybe like a severe 
mental condition or something like that that you would have to get over. Like, uh, Jessica, you talked about how uh, your dog doesn't really like to go to dog parks. Yeah. Um, uh, that's fu- probably fine, right? But um, if, like, a dog is uh, scared, like, a dog sees another dog on the street and is just scared of it and tries to, like, hide away from it, um, is that something that should be, uh, you know, try to get rid of, should an owner try to get rid of that fear or should uh, they just accept that this is who the dog is? Yeah, you know, I mean, that you're asking some really good questions and they're hard questions, hard to answer, you know, in the abstract. But, you know, that this thin line between um, what just might be a quirk of your dog's behavior and an actual, an issue that is causing your dog uh, emotional or mental suffering or distress, for example, like, you know, separation anxiety, where a, you know, a dog is extremely uneasy when left alone at home. Um, you know, that's that's one of those, you know, it is partly the dog's personality, perhaps, but it is also, at the same time, something that's causing a dog considerable distress so it should be attended to you know whether you know you can't necessarily take the separation anxiety out of a dog but you can help a dog to manage being alone Um, so I mean I think always when a dog is uncomfortable with certain um, elements of his or her environment um it's a good idea to to try to respond to those. And often with the help of a veterinarian or a behaviorist or both, because sometimes you're not quite sure which of those you need. Um, maybe you need both. Uh, but there, there are things that, and, you know, my dog Bella has developed just in the last couple of months some, some noise phobias that she didn't used to have, which to me that's a kind of a red flag that maybe she's um, in pain. Um, because, you know, when, when noise phobias develop later in life, it can be a sign that a dog is uncomfortable physically and it's manifesting as, as emotional distress. Um, so, you know, it's a situation where I I take her to the vet and say, you know, are, are there any things that, that you can see that might be going on with her physically that might be leading her to, um, to have these noise phobias. So it's a, it's a great yeah. question. Yeah. Um, yeah. So unfortunately, we are out of time now. This has been really great. Yeah. I think that was a great note to leave off on now. Um, I, yeah. I want to thank you both for coming on today and talking with us. I said this during the break, but this is basic, just like free counseling for me. Um, <laughs> and I hope it is to a lot of people. Hey, we're who are sending listening. you a bill. Oh. Yeah. Right. Uh, <laughs> no, it's that pleasure. <laughs> No, yeah. I'm, so, I'm so glad that you're asking these questions because they're they're the sorts of questions people ask all the time, um, yeah. and there's just never or rarely is there one particular you know answer that answers that that ap- applies to every situation. So thank you for your interest in our work. Yeah, and really yeah, the, the yeah. important thing is to ask the questions. So yeah, right. Good job. <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah, this has just been a great uh, conversation. Um, audience, find out more about our guests at www.markbeckhoff.com and www.jessicapierce.net. My name is Kenneth John. Uh, be sure to pick up Be The Star You Are's new anthology, Be The Star You Are, Millennials to Boomers at cynthiabryan.com slash online dash store, Amazon or other book retailers. 
Find more information about our show at www.expressyourselfteenradio.com. Make sure to follow Be The Star You Are and express yourself at www.bethestarur.org to support our show and find more information about our literacy and positive media charity that has been named a top-rated nonprofit for several years now. Make sure to stick around and we'll be right back with more Express Yourself. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Are you a teen interested in becoming a radio personality? The Positive Message Outreach Program of Be The Star You Are Charity trains dedicated young people to be reporters and hosts on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com for information. That's ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com don't forget to tune in to Express Yourself Tuesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Kids, where teens talk and the world listens. On the Right Road with host Paula Phillips has arrived at Voice America. With remarkable heart and realness, this popular program brings inspiration, ideas, opportunities, and help to teachers and parents around the globe who work daily to guide kids on the right road in school and in life. Join the Right Road family of kindness, uplifting, and support. Tune in to On the Right Road, live every first and third Sunday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Welcome back to our show. My name is Kenneth John, and you're listening to Express Yourself Teen Radio here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. So to end our show today, um, I think I would just like to uh, share some of my thoughts and reflections on this week's show on the gift of animals. Um, yeah, uh, from the uh, interviews with Mark and Jessica before in the last two segments, uh, that was really insightful. I really learned a lot, and you know, having a pet and owning a dog, that information was really useful to me. Um, yeah, I got to clear up my clear up those misconceptions misconceptions that I mentioned earlier about how I should approach um, you know interacting with my dog and uh, what I should really focus on on doing in the future. Um, yeah, I think that was just really insightful. Uh, you know how they described uh, how owners should be focusing on uh, their pet's agency and giving them their pet the freedom to determine what they actually. Uh, prefer and you know don't prefer, and yeah, I think you know with that uh, book coming out and all this new science coming out, I think there is hope for a better future in which uh, animals are treated better. You know, um, uh, Mark and Jessica mentioned that uh, they were kind of dissatisfied with how the research was coming along, and it was one of the reasons why they decided to write that book. Um, 
but yeah, you know, with all this new information coming out, I think uh, more and more people will just learn about how to uh, treat their pets right and be able to be happier and have their pets be happier. Um, yeah, I've seen things like that in different uh, aspects too, not in just pet owning. Um, I know veganism and that whole thing is a really big uh, subject of debate right now. And, you know, even uh, people who eat meat or people who don't eat meat, pretty much everyone can agree that the way uh, farm animals and uh, animals that we eat for meat are almost always treated horribly in those factories and farms. And a large part of why a lot of people go vegan is because they don't want to support that industry. Uh, yeah, and then, you know, people are learning more about that and recognizing that that is a problem. And, you know, that is the first step in solving that problem. Uh, I've also seen this in things like fashion and decoration. You know, the use of alligator skins, uh, real life furs, that thing, that kind of stuff is also kind of going out of style now. Um, recently, I'm not a huge fashion person, but I know recently uh, the rapper Tyler, the creator, had shoes that came out uh, and they were simulating like alligator skins on their shoes. Uh, but he made it a point to make it, make sure people knew that it was fake alligator skin. It wasn't real. It was completely synthetic. There were no animals harmed in the making. And people were very happy about that. People were worried at first, you know, seeing those initial images, thinking that uh, that company was, you know, using dead alligators to make their uh, clothes. But people were happy when they found out they didn't. And I think that kind of shift in mentality is a really good sign for things to improve in the future. Um, Yeah, people are recognizing, uh, you know, in fashion, what used to be something that indicated, uh, indicated like a premium purchase or something like that is now looked down upon. And yeah, I think people are just uh, becoming more aware of that kind of issue. And so, yeah, I'm really glad uh, I was able to take part in the show, t- uh, show today. Um, unfortunately, now it is time to say goodbye for the week. Uh, we give our thanks to Star Slot Productions, Cynthia Bryan, Be the Star You Are, and our Voice America Empowerment Crew, especially our voice en- engineer, Josh. Thanks to our guests and reporters from across the world, and thank you to you, our listeners, for making us a top-rated program. I'm Kenneth Jun, and you have been listening to Express Yourself, an on-air global community where teens talk and the world listens. For info on our creative community, charity efforts, and outreach programs, go to our main site at www.bethestarur.org. Until next week, remember, appreciate the animals of the world. Speak up, speak out, and express yourself. Thanks for joining us this week on Express Yourself, produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, be sure to visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern, when teens talk and the world listens on the Voice America Kids channel. Until then, remember to express yourself. Stars that shine between the lines if you would let yourself.